0: they've been. They're, they're they're, everything. We just love you today. Pastor Jay's getting ready to speak to us. We can't wait to hear the Word of God. I'm sorry if I went too long, but we love you. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.
1: Wow. Well, I got a new Bible to preach from. I'm going to leave my old one behind, Holly. Thank you so much. You can keep that one. I'll preach for my new Bible. How exciting. I hope it has the same books in it. <laughs> All right. Siri's up here taking pictures of me. I don't even know what's going on right now. She's literally having thrown a fit. I can't. Siri, calm down. I really sorry guys she just said how long who do you want to message I mean she's just going on and on (laughs) I'm just going to leave her alone for a minute Um, sorry for that terrible distraction just obviously want to say thank you so much to Pastor Kathy for your gifts and your words and we feel so loved and appreciated and honored by pastor kathy by this team that we have walked with for numbers and numbers of years and by you our our church family and for us ministry has never been a job it's never been a position um, it's just been finding our place in god's family and and walking with people and loving people and you guys have been the best Uh, family we could ever imagine to do that with and we're so so grateful for this season but I'm also grateful and I'm glad Pastor Kathy said it because we've talked about it numbers of times and I want to say that our heart is the same as hers in that Um, this isn't in any way for us some sort of farewell or we'll, uh, you know, see you on the other side of eternity. Um, That is not happening at all. And uh, if you're hoping that that's happening, you may be disappointed. So, um, you know, I want to give everybody the same information right up front. But uh, we are in a season of transition. This is is, uh, the last day that I'll speak sort of as uh, one of the staff pastors but we'll be here next sunday we're going to hear pastor holly preach on mother's day can't wait we're gonna this is our church right you know so um we're gonna be here um wanted to also just say something briefly about kingsgate we've had a lot of people ask and reach out about kingsgate and we'll be hearing more about that from the team but the most important thing to know is that kingsgate's not going anywhere kingsgate's not changing the students that are students at kingsgate Um, We're going to have Kingsgate graduation on May the 29th as a part of our family day. I'm really excited. We have our first student graduating with a master's degree from Kingsgate College this year, so super excited about that um lots of other students are are graduating we have students graduate from other states that some of them may be flying in here for that we're just working all that out but it's great so don't don't get nervous about that if you want to jump into kingsgate start being a student in the fall you can do that 110 percent I'm going to continue to work. We're family, so we're going to work together over the summer and make plans about the future. But I'm still going to be very involved with that. So nothing is changing on that front. And like I said, we're still uh, going to be around uh, for the whole month of May. And the the month of June will be a a transitional time for our family. So you'll still see us around. Um, we, We love everybody. And I'm like Pastor Kathy. I'm so grateful for um how god's leading us but we know that when god puts us in relationship when assignments change relationship doesn't and so we're so grateful for that thank you pastor kathy all the memories all the years are special but i just feel like they're just going to continue on and so to our church we love you guys and thank you for everything today i'm going to share uh his word with you if uh, if Cereal let me it looks like she's calmed down so that's good um I'm going to get my new Bible and uh, go to Luke chapter 24 with me, if you would. I'm going to read it off my iPad, but I'm going to open this Bible up for Pastor Kathy right here so I can smell that leather. I got it. It smell the aroma. I don't remember if there's anything else I was supposed to say, but I hope I didn't forget it. Luke chapter 24, verse number 13. Um, I'm going to keep just talking about stories and tables. Might as well, right? Pastor Cole and Eve did a great job last week. I wasn't able to be here, but uh, this has been a great series. And so I just felt like God was continuing to... Put things in my heart out of this passage. It's a long passage, so hopefully, we'll have a long passage and a short message. So, um, you know, just work with me on that. We'll try to do our best. Uh, verse number 13 is where we'll begin. It's a really familiar story. I'm going to read the whole thing and then just, uh, just try to draw some things out uh, for you today. Verse number 13 says, Now behold, two of them, two of Jesus' disciples, We're traveling on that same day. That same day is Easter Sunday. So it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they they talked together of all the things that had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not heard and known the things which happened there in these days? And Jesus said back to him, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they told us they did not find his body. And they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us. "...went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then they drew near, near to the village that they were going... And he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. And now it came to pass, look at this phrase, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another did not our heart burn within us while he walked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us so they rose up early that hour and returned to jerusalem and found the eleven that very hour and returned to jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together and then the disciples tell them we'll just let that passage this has been a long i hope you're tracking with me the disciples say they get back to jerusalem seven miles one way seven miles back and the disciples are telling them hey The Lord has appeared to Simon, and then they get in the room with the disciples on the same evening, and Jesus just shows up in the room and he speaks peace to them. But I want to talk about these two two disciples and this journey and this story. And this is the title of the message that the Lord gave gave me uh, for us today. It's just going to be called Missed Moments, Broken Bread, and Burning Hearts. Missed Moments, Broken Bread, ...and burning hearts. Lord, we're grateful for our church family. We're grateful, Lord, that you have joined us together by your spirit. And Lord, we're thankful for today. We know that your word is life to us. So open the scriptures to us just like you opened it to these two disciples... ...on that road 2,000 years ago. Open it afresh and anew to us today. Speak life to us. Renew us and, and, and rejuvenate us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to preach as fast as I can. I want you to imagine that these two disciples are representative of you and me. They're representative of all humanity. They're representative of all people who are walking on the road of life. And what I think that one of the things that the Holy Spirit would uh, like to illumine out of this text is that like them, all of us can be walking through life and can be walking with Jesus and not know that Jesus is walking with us. It's possible for the creator of the universe, it's possible for the risen Christ to be right smack under your nose and you not know it. Now, I'm glad this story's in the Bible because that's counterintuitive. Most of us think that if Jesus would be right there speaking to me, right there in in my life, in the middle of my conversation, that I would be aware of it. But this passage tells me that it's possible to be a disciple of Jesus, have Jesus interacting with me, and not even be aware of what Jesus is doing. The second thing I want you to notice is that the disciples have their hearts burning within them, but they didn't know it. Until after the conversation was over, until after Jesus had vanished from their sight. So it's possible to be conversing with Jesus, it's possible to be walking with Jesus, it's possible to have our hearts burning but not know it and I think what that's trying to tell us is that it's possible to have our hearts burning but not know what they're burning for. I'd love to take this and unfold it to all people everywhere, because I think this is a universal truth. The truth of the matter is, is that all human hearts are burning. They're burning for something. Everybody's heart is burning. There's no human heart that's not burning. The question is, what is your heart burning for? And the way that God saves us, the way that God redeems us, the way that God moves into our life is by uh, showing us what our heart was truly intended to burn for. The truth of the matter is everyone's heart is burning and the truth of the matter is everyone's heart is burning for Jesus. Everyone just doesn't know what their heart is burning for. And when your heart is burning for Jesus, but you don't know what your heart is burning for, you'll try to satisfy the burning of your heart with things that aren't Jesus. And when you do that, your heart lives in constant disappointment. It lives in constant lack. It lives in constant states of non-satisfaction. But when you match a burning heart up with what the heart is burning for, then the heart is satisfied and it is fueled by the right things because everything that your heart is burning for that is not Jesus is ultimately an empty thing and will never satisfy your soul. Can you say amen to that? So I've often thought, and growing up in the kind of church that I grew up in, growing up with Pastor Kathy, with Bishop, with my parents, all the kinds of church, what we uh, always ask God to do is to set our hearts on fire. It's like if we thought our heart was just this piece of log of wood and it had nothing going on. But the truth of the matter is my problem never was that my heart wasn't on fire. My heart was always on fire. It was just on fire for the wrong things. So we don't need Jesus to set our heart on fire. What we need Jesus to do is to help us understand that he is the satisfaction of what our heart is burning for. And that when we interact with him, when we sit down with him, when we allow him to engage our lives because our hearts are burning for what is truly. True, for what is truly good, and for what is truly beautiful. All humans are longing for the same thing. We want to know the essence and the depth of truth, but everything else is a pretend truth, a pretend goodness, a pretend beauty, and they're all empty so how many of you know how many of you have ever gone after something that your heart burned for and when you got it you were like this this wasn't what i thought it was going to be i got some amens over here on the west side how many on the east side over here have ever gone after anything that your heart burned for and when you got a hold of the thing that you thought your heart was burning for and you consumed it, you thought, man, that was, that was empty, that, that didn't do... What I needed. In fact, it was so empty that your heart kept burning, and then you went back to it and to see if the second time around it would fill your heart. And then you went back, and if if you got to like number twenty-five, that's when you found out I'm addicted to this thing that I keep using to. So, so I, 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 my, my, my. my, my I, what I wonder is that I wonder if our hearts are burning, and I've been thinking about this. For some time, I've been praying about this. For some time, and and I've been I've been thinking about where we're at as a church and how we've been communicating to people. and And I want to I want to propose some things. When I think of people like my parents who have walked with God for decades, I've been able to watch them walk with God for forty plus years. Uh, I think of people like Pastor Kathy who I've watched walk with God for uh, twenty plus years. She's walked with God longer than that, but I've just been watching. for for as long as I've been watching but what I admire about people and I I think about like youth cultures and what, what I grew up as a teenager and it's like when we talked about hearts burning it's like what we wanted was we wanted to stoke up the biggest bonfire we could ever imagine. I mean, when you went to youth conference, it was like just throw as many logs on, pile up the brush, throw some gasoline on it, drop a match in it, and set that thing ablaze as far as you can get it. And we thought that was amazing. And everybody jumped around the bonfire, threw all their cigarettes into the middle of the bonfire, all their magazines, all their CDs, all their things. Y'all ain't old enough to remember that. Threw it all into the fire. And we were on fire for Jesus for a weekend. And then the bonfire went out. And I love bonfires. I think bonfires are great. They can be helpful. But what I admire more than a bonfire is somebody that over decades has kept their heart in the position of what I want to call a slow and steady burn for Jesus. Jesus. That every time you interact with that person, if you really get a glimpse into their soul, the embers are red. The fire is burning. They may not. They they are consistent, but they're and they have found the thing that satisfies the burning of their heart. And they come into seasons where the wind might be blowing, and there may be a, 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 an incredible thing happening. They may be going through a revival. They may go going through a great season of refresh. And the flames are flying, but after that's over, they're still at the base and the root of who they are. There's a deep, faith, there's a deep trust, there's a consistency to say, I know why my heart's on fire, and I know the one who my heart burns for, and nothing can distract me. So I may be going through the dullest spiritual season of my life, but if you reach your hand into my heart, you'll find a burning coal down in there somewhere. To me, it's the people who live their lives and then they find their children and they pour into their children the coals of a burning desire for God that passes from one generation to the next because we don't need in our generation a couple of really hot bonfires that burn out in five days. We need some people who have decided that my whole life's existence is going to be tending to the fire in my heart of burning for Jesus. It may not be fancy, it may not be spectacular, but I'm going to nurture and I'm going to tend to this fire that's burning in my heart because I know that my heart burns for the true, the good, and the beautiful, and here's the message, here's the gospel, Jesus is the true, Jesus is the good, and Jesus is the beauty. All other beauty, all other goodness, and all other truth, so far as it goes only ultimately points to Jesus so Jesus is walking with this disciples and their hearts are burning it makes me ask myself some difficult questions what am I giving my life to let's get real real and reflect on the last seven days and say what did I invest my emotional energy in this week was it truly true Was it truly good and was it truly beautiful? Because, see, the world that we live in will distract us with all kinds of things. And so these disciples are so helpful to us as examples because they're in this moment where they had put their faith in Jesus, but they come uh, into into a time of confusion. And here's what they were in danger of. They were in danger of exchanging the counter-narrative of Jesus for the dominant narrative of empire. So... Jesus had told them what was going to happen. It didn't make sense. Jesus had said, "I am the King. I am going to redeem Israel. I'm just going to go to the cross, and they're going to bury me for three days, and then I'll rise again." And they said that didn't make sense. Jesus. And so, in their confusion, they were they were they were tempted in their conversation to exchange the counter narrative of Jesus for the dominant narrative of empire of Rome. That was basically saying, "Well, that must have been a hoax. That must have been a sham. That." Must have been. And I want to tell you there's going to be seasons in your life where things don't make sense and you'll have to question and you'll have to decide whether or not the burning in my heart for Jesus ultimately makes sense or not. Will I continue to believe Jesus' counter-narrative or will I exchange it for the dominant narrative empire? What do you say, what do you mean that the dominant narrative of empire. Well, I'm glad you asked because um, this is what it looks like for us in our day. These are concerns that I have. We are like these disciples. The church could possibly have done some of these things. So this is what it looks like. We exchange truth for propaganda and spin. See, the kingdom of Jesus traffics in truth and vulnerability... But the empire traffics in propaganda and spin. And when you say that, everybody says, yeah, I hate that. I'm tired of that. But how many of you know truth and vulnerability is harder? I'm not talking about cable news right now. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about what you traffic in. In other words, are you really real? Do you traffic in truth and vulnerability? Or are you always spinning a narrative about what's going on in your life? I'm preaching right now better than your amen But I'm going to keep on going. Because because the kingdom of Jesus is a kingdom of people who choose to live in truth and vulnerability. The other thing that the dominant narrative of empire will always get us to do is to exchange goodness for greatness. Now how many of you know that Pastor Jordan said very accurately this morning that God is great? And how many of you know that's good news? But it wouldn't be good news if God was great, but He wasn't good. Y'all doing okay? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of religions that believe that God is great. They just don't believe he's good. And that means that if you mess up, God will knock your head off because he's great. He can do it. He's strong. He's mighty. He's able. But the Christian message is that first and foremost, God is good. And because God is good, we're grateful that he's great because his goodness is the most important attribute. And I've got to be careful that I don't fall in love with the narrative that prioritizes greatness over goodness. The kingdoms of this world will always be willing to sacrifice goodness in order to become great. But we are not of the kingdoms of this world. We say that we will be good because God is good. And if being good costs me greatness, if running my business in a good way costs me some money that I think I could have been greater without running it good, I'm never going to sacrifice goodness for the sake of You all doing okay? All right, we got to we got to pick up the pace here. Come on. It's like exercise routine or something. We've exchanged the beauty of the kingdom for the beastliness of empire. The kingdom of Jesus runs on love. The kingdoms of this world run on fear. I just want to give you a a news flash. Here it is, breaking news. Put it on whatever you want right now. The kingdoms of the world run on fear. They run on fear. You are not of the kingdoms of the world. You do not run on fear. Fear does not fuel the fire in your heart. Let me say that over here. Fear does not feed the fire in your heart. You are not of this world. You are of Jesus Love fuels the fire of your heart. So if you need to get motivated even to do things for Jesus by fear, you're feeding your fire with the wrong thing you don't get motivated to do anything for Jesus or with Jesus because if you're afraid of what will happen if you don't do that, what you do is you say, Jesus, my heart is burning for you and I'm doing anything I do out of the love you have for me and it reciprocates in love I have for you. I run on love, not fear. If you have a diesel car and you put... uh, gasoline in a diesel car, it may get you, I don't know how far it'll get you. It'll get you a little ways down the road, but eventually it's going to break down. If you put diesel into your gas car, you can't run something on the wrong fuel. And Christians trying to run their life on the wrong fuel doesn't work. And I'm concerned for many Christians that we're fueling the burning fire of our heart by watching some 24-hour news cycle that fills us up with fear about what might happen, about what's going to happen, about what everybody's up to. So then I get all fueled up about what I need to do, but I don't run on fear. If you open up the gas tank of my heart, it says don't put fear in here. I run on love. I run on love. If you get a diesel car and you open up the fuel cap, tell me I'm telling the truth, Pastor Cole. It says diesel fuel only. Don't put gas in here. You need a sign on your heart that says this heart runs on love. It doesn't run on fear. I'm preaching the best I can. Our generation and the generations before us have gravitated toward an emphasis on truth. And I think that is a good thing to gravitate toward. But we also have to understand that to bear the image of God is to bear the image of goodness and beauty. God is truth. Jesus is truth. Jesus is truth. Goodness, Jesus is beauty. Are you with me? So here's what I want to say to you. God's truth will liberate you. Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of you know truth is important? But God's goodness will satisfy you. See, I'm trying to think multi-generationally here today. And maybe you have children or grandchildren that are coming up behind you. You need them to know the truth. But you not only need them to know the truth, you need them to experience God's goodness. The Bible says that we, we apprehend truth, we, we embrace truth, but watch this, we taste goodness. See, I can, I'm going to get on my food analogies now, Chris, we're in trouble. I can tell you about the apple pie a la mode that is hot with melted ice cream running down it. Right now, all down the sides and into the plate so that it puddles up on both sides and you can't eat it with a fork. You gotta have, I can tell you about the caramel sauce that goes all over it. And now, Chris, you know the truth of the apple pie. But you have not tasted. Are y'all doing all right? I can tell Chris the truth of the apple pie so good that his salivatory glands will begin working in his mouth and they will begin producing extra saliva. But it's one thing to know the truth. It's one thing for my daughter or your child or your grandchild to know Jesus as the truth. But it's another thing for them to taste the goodness of the Lord. It's another thing for them to go. I know my mom and dad believe this. I know grandpa and grandma believe this, but I have tasted of the goodness of the Lord. And so when I get into a classroom or when I get into a section of society that wants me to question the goodness of the Lord, I don't have to go tell you about a book I read. I don't have to tell you about a lesson I learned. I can tell you that I have tasted of the goodness of the Lord. I don't need to tell you about the menu. I have eaten the food. And it is good. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good. The psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Y'all doing all right this morning? Beauty, truth will liberate you. Watch this. Goodness will satisfy you, but beauty will captivate you. I want to push us further than even tasting goodness, but I believe in my heart that what the church needs to be doing in this time is we need to be raising generations of young people who are captivated by the beauty of Jesus. Because when you're captivated by the beauty of something, have you ever tried to talk with a young person who's fallen in love? Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever tried to explain anything to them? Have you ever tried to get logic into them in any sense of whatever? Have you ever, have you ever tried to tell a couple who's fallen in love and decided they're going to get married like, you know, in four weeks that they have no money, that they will be miserable? Have you ever tried to talk ration or reason into them? Just stop it because they are captivated by the beauty of another. And that's something we've missed in the church is that we've tried to introduce people mostly to the fact that Jesus is true and that he should be believed. And every now and then we touch on the goodness. But I want a church. I'm dreaming of a church who is so good at representing Jesus in all of his glory in all of his beauty that we don't have to convince people that we don't have to talk people into it, but they've seen his beauty for themselves and they're captivated. They're captivated by Jesus. You see, when you're captivated by beauty, now you're running on love. Now nobody has to scare you out of hell to get you to do something. We don't have... I'm going to just say a few things today. We don't have to spend $40,000 to dramatize some imagined future possible hell scenario for you to give your life to Jesus. Because we've done such a good job of showing you how beautiful life with Jesus is that you just begin to go, wow, that's amazing. I'd like to taste that goodness and I'd like to... Are you with me? So... God's calling us beyond where we've been and in. So you have to contemplate beauty. Truth is embraced, goodness is experienced, beauty is contemplated. We don't live in a contemplative age, we live in a combative age. Here's some news for you you are not a son of the age, you are a son of God. Can you put that on the screen? I love that. I wrote that down I said, I want that on the screen. I put it in purple. We do not live in a contemplative age. We live in a combative age. You are not a son of the age. Don't be a son of the age. Be a son of God. When everybody else is trying to find reasons to fight, just keep going, man, I'm captivated by Jesus. I just keep trying to get closer to Jesus because I've been captivated and what do you do with beauty you contemplate beauty here's some good news from our story and we're going to wrap up y'all getting ready to wrap up y'all doing alright what time is it what time is it somebody I don't even know what time it is it's 11.35 okay it's 1135. that means it's time to wrap up <laughs> this is for somebody today what do these disciples and Jesus and this table and this story tell us One thing I want you to notice about this story is that these two disciples, we could say this without any stretch, they are walking away from God. So Jesus, before he died, Ashley, you remember, he told the disciples, you remember what he told them? He said, stay here, right? Stay here and then I'm going to come back. And so what these two disciples did is we said, I know he says stay here, but we're going to go seven miles down the road that way. So they are literally walking away from God's calling. They're walking away from God's purpose. They are walking on a path of disobedience. Are you all with me? Seven miles. I don't know how far they got down the seven mile road, but somewhere along the road they got a third traveler. Traveler just showed up on the road and started walking. The reason that this blesses me is it lets me know that even in seasons of my life, when I'm walking away from God, Jesus chooses to walk with me. Jesus is so good that even if you're walking away from God, Jesus says, I'll go on that walk with you because I love you so much. I'd just like to ask you a couple of questions about why you're going this way. Tell me what is bringing you down this path. I'm glad that Jesus don't knock me upside the head and say, what's wrong with you, fool? He gets in the road with me and asks me questions until I decide maybe I should turn around and go back the other way seven miles one way, sit down at the table with Jesus, poof, he gone. And then they go seven miles back the other way. I wonder if the church would adopt the practices of Jesus. You see, I'm dreaming of a church that is more formed by the contemplative practices of Jesus than it is by the the combative politics of its day. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in a church that is more formed in the ways that Jesus does things than we are in the ways that our age does things. And our age would like to treat people a certain kind of way, but Jesus shows us a better way. And he says, if people are walking away from God, what you can do is you can get in their life. You can, you don't have to approve of the direct. Jesus never said, y'all going the right way. He never said, hey, that's a good idea. He just said, hey guys, let me ask you a couple questions. Are y'all doing all right? And so, so number one, these guys, why are they walking? See, Jesus is so... I, I counted up the number of times Jesus asked questions in this passage. It's unbelievable. Jesus is like, what things? What things happened? What, what, why are your hearts sad? Well, tell me about that. Well, tell me what happened. I mean, he's like Jesus. He experienced it, right? He died on the cross and he's telling these guys, tell me about this. Oh, they crucified him. Really? How'd that, how'd, how'd that work out? So he's having this conversation, but these questions that he's asking are drawing them out because Jesus is interested in knowing why you're where you're at. Jesus is open to having the conversation with you or your child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew or your uncle or your aunt or whoever it is. He's willing to have the conversation about how did we get here? You see, because Jesus believes deep down on the inside, even when you're walking away from God, he believes deep down there's something burning in your heart. And if he can just get all the way down to the bottom, he can find those coals burning in your heart, and he can say, let's stoke that fire a little bit more. And so then after you have a conversation with Jesus, you go, man, my heart is burning for something. And I'm even if it means walking seven miles back the same day, that I came from, I realized, you know what, that's called repentance. You know what that's called? That's called changing your life. But they're willing to do it because Jesus. So the the reality is, is that these disciples were where they were because of missed opportunities and because of regrets and because of failure. Their hearts that were on fire for Jesus to do it a certain way had become ashes and now can you imagine what that'd be like I mean let's not be too hard on these guys they put their whole life in with Jesus and then he dies on the cross and they're just like man that that fire burned out pretty much what that means is that they're coming for us next so they're rightfully discouraged but what they tell us is that if your heart is a pile of ashes one conversation with Jesus ...can make it burn again. What they tell us is that the table of Jesus... ...turns ashes into beauty. The table of Jesus, are you ready for this? Turns regret into renewed calling. See, regret pushed them down that road, but renewed calling brought them back. If you keep walking with Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now, put this on the screen for me if you can. If you keep walking with Jesus, regret will never have the last word. Jesus is the omega. He gets the last word. See, that encourages me because Jesus gets the first word in your life. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. You're here because Jesus said... Pastor Cole needs to be here. But Pastor Cole has made a few mistakes in his life. But guess what? If he keeps walking with Jesus, the regret of the mistakes he made will never have the last word because Jesus is not only the alpha of your life, Jesus is the omega. So after all the mistakes you've made, Jesus says, give me one more word on all that life and I'm going to make this story beautiful again. So these guys are swallowed up in regret, they're swallowed up in ashes. Come on guys, you guys can come back to the worship team. Whoever, whatever, if the lyre and the harp is ready, then just bring it out. The table of Jesus, listen to me, I, I felt like that there were some people that were going to be here today who needed to hear this simple statement. Watch this, the table of Jesus turns missed moments into redeemed opportunities turns missed moments into redeemed opportunities so here's what I want to do I want to free some people today because I'm going to tell you I've been wherever whoever these people are I've been there and I felt like because I missed the moment because I didn't get it right because I didn't steward that season because I didn't steward that relationship because I didn't get this right that somehow God's purposes have been lost but this story tells us that even when Jesus' disciples miss moments, when they blow it royally, he joins them on their journey, and he says, give me your missed moment, and I'll turn it into a redeemed opportunity. The Bible says in Ephesians that because we're children of light, we should redeem the time, redeem the kairos, redeem the the moments of opportunity, redeem the special seasons, And I don't know if they're online or in the building, but I knew this morning I was gonna be preaching to some people who knew that there were some Kairos moments in my life that I missed. There were some opportunities to respond to God and I didn't do it in the way that I knew that I should. And I believe Jesus is showing up on your journey just like he showed up on this road to Emmaus. And he's saying, give me those missed moments and let me be the Omega. Let me be the last word over that season of your life. So if you're here today, wherever you are in your walk with Jesus, I want to invite you to stand to your feet with me all over the building. And I I don't know how to get you to do this other than just in your heart, but I believe there's some moments, there's some opportunity, there's some seasons, there's some regrets that we just need to bring Jesus, and we're going to put them in His hands in just a moment, and we're going to say, Jesus, would you take these missed moments, And turn them into redeemed opportunities I'm not going to live as if regret has the last word I'm gonna let Jesus be the Omega of my life come on just turn your hands to heaven real quick right now and just set your mind and your heart set your gaze on Jesus would you just begin to say Jesus captivate my heart with your beauty today Lord I want to live for you I want to do it fueled by love so Lord freely I'm opening up my heart to you right now I believe the voice of Jesus is just coming into hearts right now coming into minds right now that's a voice of grace that's a voice of empowerment that's a voice of liberation that's a voice of freedom that's not a voice of condemnation so right now Jesus we welcome you in this place and we say Just open up your heart right now and sing that softly.
0: Seasons change.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love it.
0: Yes, yes, yes. You write my story. You hold it all together. You are the hour. And the Omega, you're in the middle. You hold it all together. God of my presence, God of my future. You write my story.
1: Come on, as you sing, just give it to Him. Come
0: on, put it in His hands.
2: that God's faithfulness will always remain amen amen thank you so much for being with us here today now we have a special moment here Uh, I know that today has been a very full day uh, but um, we believe here at the gate in sowing and giving into good ground and so as a congregation we want to sow a seed of intent and purpose into the life and into the, fan, the Pike family so they're they're making a transition to become senior pastors at a church in Denton, Texas and so we want to say thank you to them but we also want to say we believe in you we believe in what God is doing in their life and so our ushers are preparing to receive an offering for the Pike family you can do that in physical form as we normally do but you can also do that through digital means, they're on the screen behind me If you do give through digital means, please just make a brief note uh, that it's for the Pike or the Pike family. And so the Pikes are going to be here at the front of the sanctuary for just a few moments uh, so they can receive and say hello if you have cards or gifts for them. They want to greet you and say hello. They're going to be here for just a few moments, but we also have cupcakes for you and for them to celebrate um, this Sunday with them. Those are going to be in the North Lobby. So if you want to greet them and put some...
3: Hello, Gate Church online family. As always, we're so grateful that you've chosen to join us today. Whether you're watching live or you're watching the replay, we know that it was the purpose of God that you're watching with us today. You know, I love what Pastor Jay said when he talked about how Jesus takes our missed opportunities and he turns them into redeem moments. And maybe you feel like you've been at that place in life. I've been at that place in life where I feel like I've had a missed opportunity or I didn't steward a season properly, or I missed out, or I went through something uh, difficult, whatever it might be for you, know that Jesus desires to take that missed moment in that season and meet it with his goodness for your life and to recreate opportunities for you. And so I just want to pray for you. If that's you this morning, we have people online ready to pray with you as well. So feel free to leave in the comments, your prayer requests. And I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's watching this morning. God, I thank you that it's no mistake that they're here today. And Father God, I just pray, Lord, God, as they're watching in this moment, God, that they would just take a second to recognize maybe the missed moments in their life and to hand them over to you and say, Jesus, I'm giving this to you. I'm trusting you to take my missed moment and turn it into a redeemed opportunity. We're trusting you with that today. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, help us to not just recognize that you're great because we know you're great. But God, I just pray for every person today, God, that they would know that you are good and you want to be a good father to them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As always, thank you for watching with us. Again, we have people ready to pray with you. We also have an online community. We have an online connect group. So if you want to be a part of that, we'd love to have you. Leave your information in the comments and somebody will be reaching out to you. If you would like to give towards Pastor Jay and Pastor Cece as they're moving on into their next journey, there's going to be some information for you to give to that as well. Thank you so much. You guys have a blessed week. We'll see you next time.